Acts, or not Acts, John chapter 5. I'm going to take you back to uh, a very familiar portion of Scripture. And then I'm going to go to Matthew 19 and then Mark chapter 9. But we're going to begin with John, John chapter 5. Let me begin reading with verse number 1. And it reads like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt, withered, waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting. All of them waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And verse 6 down through verse number 9. I didn't give that to them, but I need to read that. So if you can't put it up, you can read it in your Bible. When Jesus saw this man and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, Take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew the 19th chapter and verse number 29. Or verse number 26, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them, speaking to his disciples in their mystified condition of hearing what they had just heard from the Lord about how difficult it was for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he said, it's like, it it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And they were just blown away. And so they asked a question, who then can be saved? And Jesus responded in verse 26, but Jesus saith unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things 
are possible. With men, this is impossible, but with God. Everybody say, but with God. That's the operational word, with God. Then Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. And again, it was after the conclusion of a miracle or at, uh, at, at the conclusion of a failure to perform a miracle, I should say, by his disciples that Jesus came in to the equation and in conversation with the Father found out things about this young man and then Jesus asked a question and he asked the father how long is it since this child has been or this has come to him and he said it's, it's happened since a child and then in verse 23 he said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Going back to John chapter 5, I want to use these scriptures to try to launch out. And I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about the key to possibility. The key or the keys to possibility. The keys to your possibility. I believe they're written here clearly in the Word of God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I love that word possibility. I I love it because I believe it is something that God loves. Possibility. God does not operate in the realm of impossibility. He operates in the realm of possibility. He is a God of the possible. He is a God who is in the possibility business. He makes things happen. He brings things to pass. He makes ways where there is no way. He clears paths that could not be cleared uh, by any other means than by his distinctive power. I'm thankful tonight that I am connected to a God who is able. Amen. Aren't you glad? I I need to share this with you. I should have shared it earlier, a, a praise testimony. I need to hold it till Sunday, but I just can't. I got a call from Brother Cheryl this afternoon and several months ago he had called me and told me that there was a knot that had come back on Sister Cheryl's back that was growing and they had gone to the doctors and the doctors were very concerned and said we need to keep an eye on it and so they called me to go to prayer with them over it. In the meantime, I think it may have been shared among a few others and Sister Callender brought a prayer cloth to them that she had prayed over and gave it to them to put on her body. And so they took that prayer cloth and taped it over that 
knot that had grown out and was growing and getting larger on her back. They went to the doctor today and after taking that prayer cloth off, there is no knot, there is no nodule. And the doctor said, we can't find any evidence that there was anything ever there. Listen, folks, I just want to tell you tonight that God works in the realm of possibility. I don't care how impossible it may seem to us. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen. I'm thankful he's able tonight. And I'm thankful that he has given me the opportunity to connect to his possibility. That he has given me the opportunity to experience possibility. I love that word. Something which is able to happen or something that is capable of coming to pass. I, I, I may, maybe I'm just intoxicated with him with possibility thinking, but I feel like that's a whole lot better than impossibility thinking. It's better than me going through life feeling like this will never change. It's never going to get any different. I'm never going to be in a better place. I'm never going to get over this problem. I'm never going to get beyond this hurt. I'll never heal from this wound. That is a form of thinking that affects a lot of people. But I want something to get down on the inside of me that said with God, nothing, nothing, no thing shall be impossible with him. You need to bring your problems to him because he specializes in impossibilities. God is in the possibility business He is the God who makes things happen. The name I am that was given to Moses in the Old Testament when Moses was going before Pharaoh, who am I going to say sent me? Who gave me the authority to come in here and demand that you let my people go? He said, you tell Pharaoh I am have sent you. And the closest translation that you can find of the Hebrew, I am, is the God who makes things happen. He was saying to Pharaoh, he was saying to Moses, this is what you stand on. The God who can make things happen. Man, the interesting thing happens though when you come into the New Testament. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the truth. There is a distinctiveness that is placed on it. And now there's an emphasis not on just him being able, but being able to do it now. In this moment, in this particular situation, I am the God who makes things happen now. Amen. Somebody say that right now. He is the God who makes things happen now in this present moment. We need to get that etched in our mind. We need to wear it on our foreheads. We need to have it on the, on the screen of our phone when we pick it up every day. God is in the possibility business. Praise God. 
You know what I'm convinced of? I told our leadership staff this over the weekend. We have to, we, we have to brainwash people sometime into getting what we're trying to get across to them, but it's worth the brainwashing to do it. And I'm just here to tell you, you need to wash your brain with that thought that God is in the possibility business. And that's what he is good at. That's what he is, is the God who is able to do the exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. The story of the man at the pool of Bethesda is a fascinating story. I don't want to mess with your ideologies or what your thoughts are. But when I read this story, there's several things about it that always kind of uh, piqued my curiosity. Uh, First of all, it, it was indeed a pool in Jerusalem, in one of the quarters of Jerusalem. Uh, Evidently, it was a very large pool because the word that is used for pool uh, indicates water that can be swam in. So it had to be a deep enough place that somebody could swim in. And uh, it, it was there that the sick and the impotent folks came and, and he lists them, the, the ones that had came. They all came waiting on one thing and that was at some season, uh, an angel would come and, and they would, the water would be troubled and then the, the only one would be healed. That's the part that always mystified me. Why would God only just do one? So was this God or was this superstition that brought these people there? Some people say that uh, the, the pool was, was a reservoir of, uh, that was served by a deep, deep uh, source of water and ever so often something would bubble up and the water, you know, I I don't know. I I wasn't there to know, but what I do know is what happened at that place. Now, the the, the sheltering of of that area was for the sick and, and ever so often something happened, angel came, whatever it was, these people believed so religiously in this that they would come and lay there at that pool waiting day after day for something to happen so they could get their chance at a miracle. And uh, uh, so this man had been here for a long time. Depending on their luck uh, or their good fortune, they might get a miracle. If not, then they had to wait. And, and, And the frustrating part would be that one was going to get it, but nobody else. I, I just, I don't know that God was in that as much as I think there was a superstition that these, there were beliefs there and there were thoughts there that if this could happen, uh, this, this is a possibility for me. And so, uh, gee, I, I hope I'm probably really messing up your Bible story because <laughs> some of you are looking at me like, where did you get that from? Well, read your Bible. All right. Forget all that and let me go on. I will tell you this though. Superstitions hold a lot of people in check. And you know what a superstition is? It's a false belief. It is embracing something that is not true. And it is holding on to something that may not be the case. 
And so all of these people were there waiting for something to happen, hoping that something would happen. But for the most part, they were held there by the superstition that if something happened, they, they might get their healing if they could be the first one in. You know, it's amazing how many false beliefs still hold people. What I said a while ago, this will never change. This can't happen. This won't ever be. Things will never be different. Come on, you don't have to look at me so strangely. I haven't preached any heresy yet that I know of. Maybe I've shocked some of you, but I'm not preaching any heresy. They, they, there, there are these false beliefs that we embrace about ourselves, about our situation, about our problem. Well, you know, the doctor said, or this was said, or that was said. And so we allow that to feed our fear instead of listening for another voice that could be speaking into our life that can really direct us to where healing comes from. And so we, we, we shackle ourselves many times. And there are many false beliefs that we adopt in our life and about our life and about ourselves that hold us back and that keep us from experiencing a supernatural move of God in our life because we just, we, we don't know that it will ever happen. We don't think it'll ever be possible. They'll, this situation will never change. This won't ever get any better than it is. And we allow that subconsciously, internally, somehow to affect our thinking so that our faith can only rise so high, but it can't go any further. And so when Jesus came into the story, he blew the top off of that. He changed the whole dynamics. You have to be careful the things that you allow your mind to buy into and embrace as true or right because they may not be altogether true. It may not be altogether right. The man in the story is no doubt a pitiful case. I, I cannot imagine being 38 years in his condition. Evidently, there was some kind of disability. Somewhere along the line, something had happened that did not allow him the mobility, perhaps because he indicated he had no man. Now, whether that was a real issue that was with him or it was something that he had allowed to become an excuse in his life I don't know but somehow it had become his crutch that the reason that I haven't gotten where I need to get and the reason that I don't have the miracle that I need is because I don't have any man to help me now don't keep looking at me like that I'm gonna have to go back and start over can I remind you tonight that sometimes we allow our thinking to trap us and we allow our feelings and emotions. I, I discovered something in my studies this past week that has blown my mind that, that about the power of the mind, the human mind, and, and how powerful it is in affecting us in our relationships with people and, and life. 
and, and they're, they've known for a long time that the right side of the brain is the side where your emotions or feelings come from. And, and that part of your brain is, is what uh, produces your emotions. And the left part of your brain is where your problem-solving apparatus is. And when, uh, when something happens in your life, and your emotions are shut down or you, you, you come to the place where you have no feelings anymore. I don't know if I can have faith anymore. They have discovered that the switch that is turned off is the part that affects the right part of your brain, the feeling and emotional part of your brain. And the point is that if the switch could be turned off, it can also be turned back on. And some people live by their feelings. They just, they're dead. They, they've, they've been through so much. They've been hurt so much. They've been through so much pain. They've been through so much disappointment. 38 years is a long time to be disappointed with the same issue in your life. And I have a feeling that this man's feelings might have been shut down. Amen. And the Lord was trying to help him turn that switch back on. I'm going to tell you how to get your feelings back. I'm going to, help, I'm going to tell you how to activate that part of your life, faith where you can feel and, and know that God is going to work and move. And so he comes to this man and, 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 and he asks him a question. And when you first read it, it's almost like, are you kidding me? I mean, you're asking a man that's been 38 years at a pool, probably hasn't gone home, probably hasn't left. He's lived there. I have no idea what all of the conditions were like, but I can't imagine them being very good. He had been there 38 years, and you're asking him, do you want to be healed? Now, a lot of people, if you were to have asked that, it would have stirred up a great deal of resentment. What do you mean, preaching to me like that? The gall of that preacher to talk about those things. And, and, and you know, what I've discovered about preaching is preaching is used to stir up the mind to the possibilities that are in God. And sometimes we have to really get stirred up before we're awakened to the possibility. We get so used to living with something. We get so used to, you know, it just becomes part of our life. We don't even know how to function without it. We're better dysfunctional than we are functional because we've lived longer dysfunctional than we have functional. So here's what, the key to possibility is very simple. You want to know what they are? Let me give them to you. Number one, the key to possibility is to the degree that you are willing to answer the tough questions in your life lies the possibility of what may be found. You see, all of us sometimes deal with secrets in our life that we don't want to have to address. Fears, doubts, 
worries. And, and, and it's embarrassing. We don't like to admit we have a weakness in this area that we, 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 we're often prone to go down those roads. But let me tell you something. If possibility is going to happen, if anything's going to change in my life, it's got to begin with me being able to answer some tough questions. And the tough question is, do I want to be healed? Do I want to get better? Do I want to get out of this mess that I'm in? Do I want things to improve? And so I have to ask myself some questions. Why am I here? What put me here? What produced this in my life? Why am I in this place? And, and when you start asking those questions, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Things that happen to me, you're going to try to find somebody to blame. I'm here because the devil. I'm here because the devil did this. I'm here because the, the, the devil got in my way. He got in my life. I'm here because of my, I can't get along with my wife or my husband. I, I'm here because they're, they're just so difficult to deal with. I'm here because of him. I'm here because of that. And the reality is I'm here because I'm here. I'm here because I'm me. And I've got to stop pointing the blame somewhere else and realize that nobody else can do it. I can't, no man can help me get out of where I'm at. No, no man is going to be able to do what I need done in my life. And Jesus was trying to help that man see that. No man's going to be able to help get this done. But I'm here. And with me, all things are possible. All right? Now, so how often we content ourselves with the idea things will never change and we become invalids to those thoughts and they rot away in our soul and we feel like it'll never get better but if you want it to change if you want impossibility to turn into possibility you got to be honest with you got to be brutally honest with yourself amen honesty with who I am, where I am. It's not anybody else's fault. You know what's amazing to me? I, I, I was looking at the life of David and David's moral failure and, and all, you, you know the story about David and Bathsheba and the murder of her husband to cover up the sin and then he lived a period of time as if he was clear and everything was really cool. He married Bathsheba and then one day there came a knock on the door and Nathan the prophet standing there and he comes in and he says, I have a story to tell you. And he tells about a rich man that had a bunch of sheep and a poor man that had one. And the rich man wanted to celebrate, so he went and he took the poor man's sheep and he didn't touch his sheep. And David, the longer the story goes, the more incensed he is. And finally he cries out, that man is worthy of death. He needs to be put to death. And Nathan said, David, you're the man. And then you go to Psalms 51 and you start reading David's penitence and his psalm of cleansing. And you know what I found interesting in it? There is no reference to a midlife crisis. And David was in a 
period of time that we call midlife. There's no midlife crisis. There's no family issue really that we know of. You don't hear of him blaming it on the times or the culture or whatever else. But when David realized what had gone wrong in his life, he looked internally and he said, God, this is the problem right here. This is where recovery has to begin. This is where healing begins. It begins with me being honest about who I am. I am a sinner. I was shapen in iniquity. Born in sin, shapen in iniquity. And he said, Lord, you, this is a scripture that always has, has amazed me. Thou desirest truth on the inward part. That the key to possibility in my life, the key to recovery, the key to getting past a hurt or getting over is coming to the place of honesty. You say, well, it wasn't me that did it. I still have to be honest with myself about how what has happened has affected me. Amen. And there's a lot of things in life that I choose to do. Amen. There's not enough devils in hell that can make you do something. The devil doesn't have that kind of power over me. He doesn't have that kind of authority in my life unless I give it to him. And I don't want to ruin another sermon, but Paul said, neither give place to the devil. The operative word there is not devil. The operative word there is give. You do not give him the means to destroy you. Don't give him the tools to tear you down. Don't give him the road into your life. Don't give him a pathway into your mind. Amen. Honesty. Number two. The key to our possibility is not only in honesty, but it's in the want to. The want to. I know Brother Oggs had a tremendous book, You've Got to Have the Want To. But I'm going to tell you, folks, it's more than a book. It's a spiritual and life reality that unless my will is engaged, the power of God is not able to do what it can and what it could. God will not circumvent the human will to prove his power in my life. He subjects it to that will. He said, here is uh, this is what's possible. Now, do you want it? And somebody's got to have enough willpower to say, yes, I want it. Because when you will, when you allow that will to get involved, you release that will to him to be, to, to, to be overshadowed, uh, then something powerful can happen in my life. You don't have to see how it's going to happen. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. 
But there has to be a desire. There's got to be a will. I am tired. I I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have this unbelief. I don't want to have this fear. I don't want to have this doubt. You have to have a want to in order for God to get to do what he wants to do in your life. Amen. Praise God. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Amen. There has to be a will to live. Amen. A will to live. A will to live. Some people have died an early death because they lost the will to live. I have seen people eaten up with cancer, heart not working right, blood pressure down to nothing. I mean, they were like a corpse and you wonder what in the world, why don't they quit breathing? I mean, there was, but they, there was something, there was a human will that would not let go. I've seen them linger for days because of that human will to live. Amen. And that will has got to be connected with his power for possibility to happen. And if I'm not willing to let God do it, it doesn't matter that God can do it. Amen. God is not going to circumvent my will. Amen. We need to understand that. Our will has got to be involved. And that's why when we come to service and we, we, we go into, this, into an atmosphere of worship and we're praising him, what we're doing is we're preparing that willing heart. We're opening that avenue for God to be able to do something sovereign and supernatural in our life. And when we open our will to him, then all things are possible. Amen. Everybody say you got to have a want to. The decision of the mind, a resolute decision, a determination. In proportion, as we are willing to try, so shall our power come. Amen. Amen. Miracles happen when our will is connected with his power. When we cooperate with him, it begins to fuel something mighty. Amen. When Jesus gave the command, he said, take up thy bed and walk. Amen. He was calling him to do what for 38 years he had not been able to do. He was calling for him to do something that had been impossible. God's power never dispenses with man's effort. God said, take up thy bed and walk. Now you think that's, that, that's splitting hairs, but I want to tell you something. I believe there have been many times 
that God's word has spoken healing into people's lives, but because they didn't take up their bed and walk, they went right back out the door with that same bed they came in on and they were carried right back to life as it was. You have got to respond to that word in an obedience. There's got to be a heart that said, yes, I'm going to do it. It may seem impossible, but I'm going to do whatever he commands me to do. Amen. Amen. Here is the key to possibility. Hey, just having the ability to obey, obey the command. Just because you don't see a way doesn't mean there isn't a way. I don't understand the dynamics of how putting a cloth, a prayer cloth, over a a tumor, over a mass, can make it disappear. God said, you don't have to know how I do that. All I need you to do is just believe I can do that. All I need you to do is just bring your problem with your faith and put it in me and let me do what I'm good at. How God operates in that realm, I have no idea. I just know that God operates in the realm of possibility. And there is nothing too hard for him. Nothing. I, I, that, <laughs> that needs to be etched over our eyes. I, I, if we could, I, if they could somehow stencil that on your eyeballs every time you woke up in the morning, it is just right there. We need to get that in our soul, as some guy said, in our gizzard. We need to get it down where it counts. God is the God of the possible, and nothing, no thing is impossible with him. Amen. Read from Mark chapter 9, verse 23, of the miracle that happened with the young man who was controlled by spirits, and Jesus said if you, would, if you could believe the key to possibility is confidence that it is within the realm of his ability. Amen. Amen. It's in the realm of his ability. Not mine. Not what I can do. Not what I think, but what God can do. Amen. God can do anything. Anything. I mean, he can spit in the dirt and make mud balls and put them, plaster them over a man's eyes that is blind and tell him to go wash in the pool and somehow, some miraculous way, I don't understand all of the chemical compound that may have been in his spittle, but I do know this, that when the man went and washed, as ridiculous as that may seem, when he washed, his eyes were opened and he could see what I'm telling you tonight is there is nothing that is too hard for God and whatever God uses, whatever mean God uses to bring about the miraculous, all God is asking me to do is just allow him 
the opportunity to be God. The key. Matthew 19, I'm going to close. Matthew 19, Jesus is talking to a rich young ruler. He had done everything, kept all the law. He wanted to know what was the the key to eternal life. How can I have eternal life? And so the Lord goes back over, keeping the law. I've done all that since my youth. And he had a pedigree. He had quite a, he, he had the credentials. <clears throat> and then Jesus touched that sensitive part of his life and said, okay, go sell what you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible said he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. I, I love, uh, and I, don't, I didn't bring it with me, but one of the others, Luke or Mark, how they write about that situation. It is very uh, revelatory. It was not riches that would keep the man from seeing the kingdom of God or having eternal life. It was his love of riches, that they were more important to him than anything. And then Jesus makes this statement that it's, 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 it's more possible for a camel. I mean, you think about those big dromedaries. How, and, and we're thinking about, you know, a little needle, a, a little, you know, a, a needle and thread. And how could that, that's, I mean, that's impossible. But the fact is the needle that was referenced there was a small door that was beside the gate that would allow access so the main gates wouldn't have to be open once they were closed. And this is the point that Jesus was trying to make with those disciples. It wasn't the riches that was keeping the man from what he desired. It was himself. He was too full of himself. And when they, the only way historians say that a camel could get through there was that they had to completely unload all of the baggage that the camel was carrying in order for that camel to get through the gate. And so Jesus is in essence saying to his disciples, the only way you're going to get through this gate is to empty yourself. Amen. As long as this guy felt like he had the key to doing it, God said, you're a a million miles from the kingdom. But if you can empty yourself, you see, it wasn't money that he had. It was money had him. And there's a big difference. It was his life. It was all, but it was emptying. It was his unwillingness to empty himself. One of the keys to possibility with God, and, and he goes on to say, with man, this is impossible, but, with, but, but not with God. The key to possibility in my life is for me to come to that point in my life where I can truly empty myself and say, God, I have no agenda. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm not holding out anything. I'm clean. And watch God do what only God can do in that moment of complete and total surrender. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. The key to possibility.
I have to be honest. I have to be willing. Amen. I have to be empty of myself. And when I get all of those things out of the way, amen, and I've, I've, I've just let go and let God, something miraculous happens. Amen. Amen. So many times I've had people through the years bring their problems to the altar and they pray about them. And then mysteriously, when they get through praying about them, they pick them up and carry them right back with them. And they wonder why they can't ever be free from them. At some point in your life, you're going to have to just leave them at the altar and let go of them. Let God work it out. And when we do, when we empty ourselves, we give opportunity for God to fill us. And here's the miraculous thing is that when you get to that point, God will enable you to do what previously to then you were incapable of doing. Amen. To love again, to be free again, to be healed, to be whole, to be happy. Amen. Praise God. The keys to possibility. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you just love the Lord with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. We love you tonight. We are grateful, Lord, for your mercies. Oh, we are thankful, Lord, for every good and perfect thing that comes down from you. You are the Father of light, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Lord, I thank you tonight that you are not far from every one of us that you are here, you're a very present help in our time of trouble. And if we would just discover, Lord, the key of our will and the key of our desire and the key of our hunger and the key of our brokenness, the key of our submission, the key of our obedience, Lord, great things, great and mighty things can happen. Amen. So the bottom line is, even when you don't understand it, you don't know how it works, you still take that cloth and you tape it to that tumor and you leave it there. It's been there for several months. No, oh, my friend, it works. It works. I said it works. It works. It works. I believe there are a lot of other miracles that if we would just tie our prayer to it and leave it, amen, that prayer is going to prevail because prayer never dies. Amen. Never, never dies. Amen. Whatever you've been praying about, don't quit praying. Amen. Because that is the key. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. Love somebody and tell them God is in the possibility business. Amen.